0: So, golf on the weekend, Bliss. Yeah,
1: I'm yeah. pretty excited. How are you feeling, I'm, mate? All right. I'm FOMO. excited to hit it into the scrub. FOMO
0: hard. Although, I did tell Harry about the racing that you're missing, Joe. And he was. Sorry, a little one big.
1: sec. Oh, here we go. Yeah, okay. Give us one minute. Papped out. What you, you saying, Tell Tara I started the pod. Yeah, but it doesn't matter.
0: What did you say after that? I said, um, I told Harry about the racing that you're missing, and he, he thought it was pretty cutthroat. What racing? The horses, Leave you the horses bro. leaving on horses, leaving on high and dry for for the for the fields of of
1: Glenmore. Why would I want to fucking go with horse racing?
0: All right,
1: let's start. <laughs> I'm just making an ice drink. It's a bit loud. Thirty seconds. Can you hear it in the background? No. No. Oh, you can't. You can't hear it. No. That noise cancellation is good. Okay, then just start. Right, and... Let's go. <laughs>
0: Episode 71 of the Racing Line podcast, boys. Pod Another card. first week of racing. This week, supercars, Generation 3, Streets of Newcastle. Oh, craziness all weekend. High adrenaline, low downforce. Where do we begin, boys? What an awesome weekend of racing. I will
1: say, I think...
0: Give me your the, initial reaction before we start getting in the specifics, Joe. Just give me your, your
1: half a sentence reaction to the event. I think we're on a winner. That's what I'll say. I don't think it's the, the product is where it needs to be, where, you know, ideally it has it's going to end up. But I think all things show that we're on to something pretty special.
2: Harry? Yeah, I agree. I think um, it was a hard track to decipher um, the racing per se, but –
0: Still, awesome product. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, new cars—they look fantastic. Uh The tightness at the think, front of think, the field in I qualifying one was thing. awesome. The track is not always—it's not going to be the most, you know, pass-friendly track, even at the best of times. So that was kind of a little bit difficult for teams to navigate. But I have to concur with you, Joey. We look like we're on a winner. Everything points towards an awesome era of supercars coming up.
1: Um I, I Think guess it can we- be understated how important this the fact that they look fantastic is mm. because they the the way that they behave on the f- track, by the way, that they sit, the way that they look when they're racing, it all ticks the, the a- a- aesthetically pleasing box. You know, I, I didn't watch even the cars that I didn't really particularly like on launch window, I thought looked a lot better in the flesh. Um, and Number one, the thing that's going to gravitate, fan, uh, sort of bring the fans is if the spectacle looks cool. And, you know, those low cars definitely, definitely tick that box of, all right, if anything, we're starting from a, a place that the cars look cool. There's something that when, you know, when you're making highlight videos and advertisements for it, it's going to tick that first box, that very important box.
0: Man, the fact, I mean, we can probably get into this in a little bit more specifics later on, but I think just the the, the optics of seeing cars sliding around, you know, um, wanting to break into wheel spinning, like, you know, kind of power drifting out of the corners just because of the amount of torque that was being delivered to the rear axle. I mean, in a weird way, it's kind of like a Gymkhana, (laughs) like the kind of speeds that are going through the streets in, and you can physically see it. The cars look tougher to drive. They look like they're harder to handle and kind of, Wrestle around the track. And I think that's from a fan's point of view, that's really cool to see. Uh, and I think, you know, there was, you know, they were talking to some of the drivers and they were saying, you know, it, we got to the end of Gen 2 and these cars were perfect. These cars kind of um, we'd evolved them to a point where they, for the most part, stuck. Um, and a good car kind of was good all weekend and a bad car was bad all weekend. But that kind of was what gave the disparity in the past. Whereas now, even a good car, over, you know, a 30-lap stint um, deteriorates, um, you know, just due to the tyre wear, um, you know, with the new formula.
1: I wonder what Harry has to say because I haven't seen him send so many messages about a supercars weekend onto the chat. So I think it's so. He's been a, think- a
0: Chaz simp all weekend. <laughs> well, well, I do like Chaz. I do like walking shore.
2: Um, even though they are Ford these days, they're still taking a bit of adjustment to, you know, support a team that's a Ford team. But um, yeah, look, didn't have much going on this weekend. So I was able to watch both races in the full. I oh, I loved it. I thought the track was awesome, even though there wasn't a lot of passing, just the skill needed to get those things around. You're cracking, You're cracking up
0: again, right?
1: But I do have to concur with that. Sliding all over the place. Um, yeah, I thought he's it... taking a, a bad pinger. Yeah, but Joe, <laughs> I think we
0: have to say, like, just building off on what Harry was saying before, it's kind of like, obviously, it's not a Monaco-esque track. Like, it's got really no similarities to it, apart from the fact that it's a straight track and there's no real um, runoff areas at
1: all. I but, think it's. I think it's a pretty. I think this weekend it's, highlighted how bad of a track it is.
0: I don't know. To be I, would, I wouldn't say it's a bad track because there's you know quite a lot of um, skill involved. I think it probably needs you know um, another meter. It needs another meter. I think also like there's not really many overtaking points. There's two big ones, and I think the turn two was fine. I think the um, the hairpin, which is at the second last corner. I think that probably needs to be a little bit wider because it just seemed now that the cars are wider compared to the last time they raced there with this with the skinnier Gen 2 cars, because they're wider, it seemed like it was a little bit easier to defend going into those um, braking zones than it was in the past. But, you know, with all of that being said, it was Monaco-esque in the sense that even though there wasn't a lot of overtaking, particularly in the second race, um The intrigue wasn't actually based on the overtakes. It was based on, you know, Cam Waters hitting the wall. It was based on the different strategies that were played out. It was based on the tyre differentials that we saw with Mostert and Gitzberg and what we saw with Waters too um, before he kind of bent his steering arm. So like Monaco, the intrigue for the race was actually built in a very
1: different way. Yeah, I think think it definitely did become sort of a a pit stop race as well in terms of... The new how slowly the the new fuel system refuels the car brings a lot more into play compared to last year, and also that whole I think in the first race you saw a lot of cars in their first tint burn their rubber very quickly, and then they were um, they were very hampered until they got those new set of tires on. And um, I think I, I, I think I don't know how you boys f- thought about this as well, but like when I was watching the racing, I think
0: there was also a number of times when drivers had a run on other cars and kind of pulled out a little bit in some scenarios. Now I don't know if it was that because they like people know right now that, you know, spare parts are hard to come by, you know, whether there was like a directive, Hey, it's the first round. Let's just try to bring the car back because we don't have, you know, all the pieces that we need to fix it. Considering that it's a street circuit also, I don't know if just because it's the first race and there was a bit of a feeling out period, it's early in the season, whether, you know, drivers were kind of pulling their punches a little bit just because of the nature of, you know, the spare part situation as it is right now. You know, these cars are just, you know, two or three weeks, if that from being completed, you know, just the, the actual race cars themselves.
1: I think, I think that point in particular sort of bears testament to how good the builds were for these cars that there was, I think in the first race, only one car felt like actual car component failure in, in Perkett's car. But um, like realistically, the weekend went pretty swimmingly in terms of cars being able to finish the race and race. But also, I think what was important was when you look at the spread. I think especially in the top ten shootout, where the where the, you could see like which cars, uh, like a, a very good variety of teams um, in that shootout there was competitive Chevys and competitive Mustangs like for, and and I understand the parity isn't exactly where it is. You know, you're expecting it, uh, not expecting it, but it needs to be by the time we get to say halfway through the season, but I thought it wasn't far off. And then I know the argument will be made that the, the there was a few times when the Chevys looked like the grid was a little bit lopsided for them. But at the same time, I, I want I want to have a few more race weekends of seeing the data. Because say, I think they got it pretty good by the end of the weekend. They got it. I, I, I wanna I want to know if like a lot of it had to do with teams just not like it was maybe happenstance that the the, the teams like the four teams really shit the bed. Because I think I think situation- it's
0: fair to say that um I think it's fair to say that you know, I mean it's, the weird thing is uh, Dick Johnson racing were the team that actually kind of you know, it's, they were the, the the main developer of that car and they seemed to have the least understanding of the operating window based on the weekend, which was really interesting. And they both struggled and they both they struggled. They had a horrible weekend. Yeah. The interesting they didn't have, one, they
1: was, didn't have one top 10 finish or one top 10 shootout, um, what's the called, entry.
2: It'd be interesting to know
0: when the last
1: time that actually happened with it, with DJL. Would have been before the Penske buying that's Mm. for sure
0: you know you know i was kind of thinking but before we go into these these hypotheticals i think it's probably good that we start um with this so anyone who didn't watch the race race one svg brock feeney first and second cam waters finished in third it was a pretty dominant race by the um red bull team um they were disqualified from the race for, um, an ice box or, you know, uh, cool, cool suit infringement based on where they put uh, the tipping, cool suit uh, tipping, and uh, tipping. where
1: tipping. they were tipping
0: the ice into the, um, essentially the Door. the container for the cool suit. That's still up for review. Um, race two a lot more competitive, um, Mostert qualified on the pole, um, which was really good. Um, Cam waters, sorry, no, David Reynolds was on the pole. Mostert was in second. Third was... Jimmy Golding. James Golding, fourth came Waters, and then we had the Red Bulls behind there. Um, a lot more intrigue in the race. It ended up being a race that um, Van Gisbergen won, Mostert came second, and third was uh, David Reynolds. So if you want to go back and watch that, you can. Um, but going back to the point we made about the parity, kind of just to discuss it a little bit, something that I was looking at throughout the weekend wasn't so much the, um, winners or the top drivers, because, you know, they're always going to be able to push the car, you know, above and beyond, you know, the call of duty with kind of the hardware that they have. But I think when you looked at some of the drivers that were in the midfield and traditionally quite close to each other, I think that's where you saw the discrepancies between the Camaro and the Ford a little bit. So, for example, your winner bottoms, your Pies, uh, you know, they obviously had triple eight cars, so there was probably some level of information that might have been given to them as well. But Erebus as well, those mid-teams seem to perform better than um, the Ford drivers in the mid-teams as well, um, if that makes sense. You know, your Thomas Randall's, James Corden had a pretty good race in race one, but he was still mired behind, you know, four to six um, Camaro. So when I look at but you, that. But
1: you I know, what as well, think- I th- when, I, when you think about it, a lot of the drivers who were, uh, so you look at like Slade in the in the um, the premier racing car, you would like in, last year in the Blanchard car, he was sort of in the same, like he's always in good positions mm. as well. Mm. So I, th- I think. Like it is easy to say that the mid-pack Chevys looked like they were in a better position than the mid-pack Fords, but I think in the second race, you definitely saw a lot less of that, which makes me inclined to think that it could it could have just been happenstance that the 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 Ford teams could have had bad you know setups or burnt their tires quicker because that definitely seemed like something that paid a lot of dividends in that in that first race. and, yeah, then, and well. then the and, and and then the fact that you have. Um, Chaz and uh, Davy Reynolds on the podium in the second race. And if Kim hadn't had his brush against the wall, probably three Mustangs straight behind Van Gisbergen from three different teams lends me to believe that, yeah, there, there could be a parody thing, but also we have to take into consideration that triplet just also deals at such a very high level mm. and and if this category is, you know, burning up tyres even more, the king of saving his tyres, unfortunately, is Shane Van Gisbergen. And so I think before we start, you know, really harping on this parody thing, which isn't perfect, we sort of at least give it a little bit more time before, you know, rash decisions are made. I think that's super fair. and I think you wouldn't – I'd be a little bit
0: disconcerted if they made any parody decisions, you know, before, I don't know, round four or something like that, just so they get a few different tracks um what's up, Paige? Environments.
2: I, I had a question regarding Tickford and Walkinshaw for you both. I just wanted to get your opinion. Hmm. Um Percat was well off Chaz's pace this weekend. Yeah. He I don't, I don't think he finished anywhere near the top ten in both races. On Saturday, and
1: he was pretty good. It was pretty quick on Saturday. He had a bad qualifying, but they had a car component malfunctioning like in the early in the yeah. race. But then we also had James
2: Courtney was doing, was in the top 10 shootout for race two, but other than Waters and um, Courtney, the other two Tickford drivers didn't do much. Now we said last year that Perkut had had a season where he had to, had to pick his game up. If he continues along this trajectory, can you see
1: them making a change earlier? I don't think they'll get rid of him before the season starts. And I think it's a bit too early to make judgments like that. Having said that, I think if say he ends the season how it started, he will definitely be gone. Yeah. Because that was a massive gap. <laughs>
0: Tickford um tick I think there's less to concern be concerned about because should like Thomas Frendle was a rookie last year. He's probably got another year before he hits his peak anyway. They they Tickford give a lot of, they give a lot to people that haven't proved well, a whole lot, and they give them I time think, to but look go, at Golding. What is is the prime example? Did nothing for two years,
1: and then, unabs- Golden's Golden's not a rookie. Golding's had what? This is his now. F- this would be his Golding's fourth had, this year. This is fourth year. This is in fourth Pittsburgh. year in Superstar. Yeah. So he's
0: he's he's kind of earned his stripes. Um, and then obviously, what's his name was his first race, Declan Fraser. So I didn't really expect a whole lot from him at all. But I think Per he just can't seem to qualify because when he's got like when he's got um, you know practice, practice. no practice there's no pressure in practice but he's always put in the car somewhere and he's he has got some ability to drive through the field we've seen that last year as well but the problem is he mires himself down the field and then it's just like you saw like a lot of the tracks that supercars race on and because the racing is so close if you're that far back I mean you can make six seven positions in a race normally if you're really good but you know, if he's starting from 14th, 15th, as often as he is, for well, then um, 16th even, well, then getting into the top 10 is kind of the ceiling when you consider mm. by the time he gets into that top 10, you know, the the, the front six, you know, they're well gone because they've just had a little bit more clear air. So he needs to pick up his qualifying game because realistically, before his move to Tickford, before his move to Walkinshaw, he was the hot commodity. and. um and he's not doing a whole lot since.
2: Does that just say how good Chaz and Cam and all them are, or do you think yeah. he
0: has the potential to be close? Yeah, I think I would love to see, not that it would ever happen, I would love to see them two in a triple eight for a season against SVG, the three of them, <laughs> just to kind of get you – know, you know, a fair barometer of whether we spoke about it last year, we spoke about how triple eight has the consistency that the other two teams just can't match them with. Um, you know, and they get everything right. You know, Tickford and, and, and walking got the qualifying, right. They had a blistering qualifying pace. Those two guys will pull, you know, 12 tenths out of a lap, you know, they're that, they're that quick. But, um, you know, when you've got a 95 lap race, you know, they they don't just don't have the setup that, that triple eight have, which is, you know, just the way it is. Um, What about a few stories from the race? I think we have to start with premier racing. I mean, Saturday was looking fantastic. They had a few welcome to supercars moments and a few rookie mistakes that derailed them in the pits on Saturdays. And, and it kind of didn't really reflect the, you know, potential that the team had, Um, but you know, Sunday, two cars in the top ten. James Golding finishing fourth. I mean, that's an awesome that's an awesome effort from a team that you know he's only been around for literally a year.
1: I've I've two things I want to see going through the year. And that's first and foremost, I think great start to the season for them. You know, they announced the double new on car sponsorships, which I thought was awesome. Come to the race, get two top uh two cars in the top 10 shootout, have a race where both cars finish in the top 10, leave you with some decent points. Um, you can't really ask more than that. My only caveat is we definitely saw that the triple eight built cars this weekend were awesome. Um so if that is a if that is a if that is a sort of a fact that lies in where the other teams, as they build up to the, you know, the competitiveness against AAA, will those other two teams um, sort of lose competitiveness because of the oversaturation of the top end with actually more uh, competitive cars from the other teams? I think that's the only question, like, left with them. Having said that, at the time where the car is dominant, capitalize on those points, like we always say, you know, when, you know, when the sun's out, make A. The thing that is interesting for me is you've got them that have been there for a year.
0: They're in the same situation as teams like MSR, Team 18, you know, they're all customer teams from Triple Eight. And they've had a weekend to remember that's probably better than any weekend those other two teams have had, and they've been around for a lot longer. So at a very... Base level, um, you know the fact that they're a new team. They've got engineers in the team that have never run supercars. Probably good that this is the year, like it's a new year, new
1: car for everyone. But um, you know, I, I'm I'm super. They've impressed. also invested quite heavily in that team, though. Like that team isn't made up of scrubs. You look at the driver lineup. Sladey is is a you know old workhorse. He's going to be super consistent. Golding has never had you know a, a, a season when you thought he was trash. You know, he's definitely had, you know, moments that show how good he can be. Um, They're bringing in, you know, a lot of experienced talent on the technical side out of Triple Eight last year. Um, And then you look at sort of Pete Shibris himself. He runs a very successful company. He seems like a very matter of fact person and he, you know, runs his own drag team as well. Um, I don't believe... A successful drag team, like everything he's That's done. That's exactly what world. I just said. I literally just said that. <laughs> so, like, you know, the, the team is built on, on the right pillars, you know, for, you know, for success. So I'm not surprised about that part of it at all, to be honest.
0: What about um, Team 18? Team 18 had two top tens on the Saturday. And then, again, on the Sunday... If there was an issue to befall that team, what would the issue be? Power steering. And again, Mark Winterbottom had power steering failure. What is going on with Team Eighteen and their power steering? This has been three years
1: now of power steering issues. I don't. I don't understand. Like it's. It's become more than a joke. It's. It's ridiculous. I don't think I've ever. Seen- I don't think I've known another car in that time that said, "Oh, uh, maybe one or two, power, maybe two power steering issues." Other than them, you to turn but, some lights on, Joe. No, no, just, just the lights didn't change. It just went really dark, like out of focus. There you go. Um. Yeah, absolutely Caucasian bizarre. Again. Huh? You look Caucasian again. I know. <laughs> I was going to say something. And I thought, I oh, it's probably not, not the political climate not. to say it." Mm. Mm. What were some other talking boys,
0: points that you guys took from this weekend? Team Race one, the Red Bull incident Yeah, yeah, yeah um, Interesting They made a big deal about it But I kind of think that it was pretty pretty cut and dry um, And even when I was kind of, you were listening to I mean, Dado had a bit of a spiel about it on on the telecast on the Sunday you know when you can tell someone saying something, but they're not fully convinced about what they're saying. they kind of, you can tell they're saying it because they've got kind of a vested interest in it. It's kind of what it seemed like when he was. You know, I think he realized that he screwed up. I think he realized he made a mistake, and that um, that you know, it was on him. Um, well, and- the thing is, they're saying they're saying that
1: they asked supercars if it was if they were able to do it before they did it, and they. They They asked to do it. They asked Roland Dane if it was okay.
0: He said it was an interesting system and it would work, Um, but they didn't confirm it in an email, like they would normally do. And the reason why they didn't do that was because they kind of just assumed that, with the kind of feedback that not Roland Dane, sorry, Adrian Burgess gave to them, that that was enough when it wasn't formalized. Uh, And the reality was that it. That just it wasn't. Uh, and they didn't kind of, they didn't, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's before the season started and they got pinged for it. Uh, I think the fact that every other team on the grid um kind of didn't do it. Didn't do it would say that um would say that they were kind of
1: there's a consistency thing there. So well the proof is out there that it gave them a performance advantage because they got a one two. So I mean, due to that fact, I think you have to pull them back. Um, that 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 That's they, sarcasm I can I can hear the it. It gave him thirty. It gave it Van gave Gisbergen thirteen seconds on his teammate, and then his teammate another six seconds on Cam Waters. So if that if that wasn't a performance advantage, I don't know what is. Um, I think what was probably a bigger talking point was the was the hullabaloo about Shane Van Gisbergen's conduct in the press conference after the race. To be honest, um, I don't know if you guys looked into it, but there's a few very st- stinging words from Mark Scaife and then his, t- his uh, ex teammate Garth Fiender about sort of the, p- the professionalism you need to carry. And, um, you know, if you're the face and the, amb- the ambassador for the sport, you know, you have to, and, you know, it's in your contract to participate in these press conferences. Um, sort of not... Not act like a Joe and just you know answer the questions regardless of how you how Rob do you feel about you know your disqualification race one? Um, yeah, um, I thought they were very. To, I, I thought
0: they were strong words. I tend to agree with Scaphy and Tander on this one. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, we hear in in sport all the time that the reason why you know all, all, every sport is, has a vested interest in getting people talking has invested interest in in particularly in sports where the, the, the key drivers wear helmets. Any opportunity they they have to present some information, to talk to the public, to kind of put a face to themselves, you know, they it needs to be taken. Um for the reigning champion or the winner of a race to kind of go in and be and I guess you, you can say that things were against him all weekend, but if a question's being asked about a speculative move, and we'll get into the move maybe a little bit later on, if a question's being asked about a speculative move to win a race that is somewhat controversial in its very nature, then, you know, don't be so proud uh, and just think that because, you you know, I don't know if it's because he's a champion or because he's the best, he feels like he doesn't have to kind of justify himself, but I think it's a warranted question because there would be half the – um, half the fans of the sport would have felt that that move at the very least was speculative um, and probably three quarters because once you start winning, people don't like you as much. That's just kind of how it is in the spirit of competition. So if that's the case, uh, at the very least, you know, justify yourself, kind of say he broke a little bit earlier than I expected, kind of say you had a run on it, you know, say something, you know, just it doesn't have to be smug and abrasive and just – kind of sours it's, it's the whole weekend, particularly when you have someone like Mostert, I think you could have really um, said a little bit more than he did and he was kind of very diplomatic about how he felt about the whole incident um, so if you've got the person who was wronged kind of um, saving face, well then at the very least the person who kind of, you know, did the doing um, doesn't really have a leg to stand on
2: I love that Moss that tried to give it back to him too you know, on the next corner.
0: Yeah, I do too. I, I really, I, I'm happy to see them giving it back, but I, at the same time, I kind of, um, I, I objectively, that move should have been redressed. I think, and I think obviously they didn't go and appeal it, but I feel like if they did appeal that move, there would have been grounds for it. We saw it at the start I, of the race. I don't think there. I don't think there was grounds for. It. Well, Will, Will Brown pushed um, Cameron Hill off the racing line from the rear, uh, made the pass because of it. Um, it wasn't as dramatic as that move, but he, he he made the pass because of bumping someone offline, and he got a five-second penalty. And I think that if they would have pursued it, there would have been a very similar grounds for that. Now, you can say that the Triple Eight Ben Gisbergen, because he had the pace kind of... Um, warranted that position, but you gotta make the move and you've got to make the move stick. And he wasn't three quarters up the side of the car. Um it wasn't like he nudged him and and uh it was even close to being fair. He could even defend it. You know, he nudged him and as soon as he was offline, you know, that, that move was done. So I, I really I don't know. I don't think it was a clean move. It was a little bit cheap. I don't think it was a bad move, but I think at the very least it's redressed at the very most, it's a five second penalty for the sake of consistency. So what the next time we have a race and someone's behind, we just see another, you know, bump and run. And that's that's kind of the precedent you want to set from the second race of the year. I don't think so.
1: Well, the other thing is I think the precedent has been set for for um for Shane that he can sort of do those kind of moves like we saw what happened at Tasmania last year, where he sort of was doing a, a very similar sort of cheeky move coming down into the kink. Um, I think it's down to the other drivers racing against him to sort of give him back as well as he gives. Um, whether it's easier they said than done enough to
0: do it consistently. It's easier no said than done when they're realistically in inferior cars. Yeah. So the bullet they have is their defence because they qualify really well and they're super consistent and then they've got to kind of keep him behind. And that's fair and that's fine, but if that's the case then um then if he's going to make the move and he's got a faster car you can make it clean you know um that this that was disappointing I thought you anyway, know it was a good race. I think Chaz took it really well he listen, we all knew that give it another couple of laps he probably would have made the move anyway, but considering the situation and it being time certain, he doesn't make the move there he can get, you know, three quarters of the lap around, who knows, maybe he gets a good run. He can defend five more lap. And then, you know, Bob's your uncle, you've got to win. So I don't think it was as cut as a dry. I don't think it's as cut and dry as, you know, Rubbing's racing in that regard because he hit him from behind. There was literally no um, run up the side at all. I
1: think you made a fair point. I don't, I don't know if I would go as drastically as that, but I definitely agree with Chaz that it was sort of a very cheeky move. Um, if, if they I had have was, given
0: him, if they had have given him a five second penalty, would you have been surprised at all?
1: No, I wouldn't have. I would like. I wouldn't have been surprised if if would you were even asked okay, to redress.
0: Let's take it a step further, Harry. If you if they had have given him a five second penalty, would you have kind of felt, oh, that's harsh? No. Not at all. You're such a Mustard simp. I love it. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. I was in the same camp. I kind of felt like he did a really good job that race, Mostert. I think he did a really good job keeping up and, you know, I don't know.
2: I think even There's, if it was yeah. Cam or whoever, I would have thought the same thing because he's essentially moved them out of the way. And mm. the car, he had that much more pace that he could have got that move done
0: later it's on. Not even, like. It's not even that he moved him out of the way, and they were on the same tire life, like because that would have been, they would have still mm. had the same traction coming off the corner. He had significantly better tires. He moved him off the line. He moved him out of the way, and then you know, just just the the, the wealth of traction that he
1: had. Also, compared. It's also the it's, it's, it's also, to the, it's it's also it. the fact that the fact that you um. When- when you sort of hit, when you bump someone in the braking zone itself, you, you know, when you're bumping, when you're accelerating, or when you're you're going at full speed, that's one thing, because you're not sort of hurting each other's actual pace. But when you're doing a bump in the braking zone, which totally alters the, the other car's braking momentum, you know, angle and everything like that, I think that that is where, like, why you'll, you see a lot of cars either redress or, you know, just just wait behind for the other car to settle. I think, I think I think it's all swings and roundabouts. I think he'll come back to bite him in the ass. Well, any other talking points from this race, boys?
0: I can't wait to get out to Melbourne for the Grand Prix. I was telling Harry today, I feel like I'm more excited now to go and watch the sprint races for the supercars on AM for the F1. Um it Something. is epic around Albert Park here and those things go around I'll yeah, say. I feel, like, I feel like also that Albert Park is such a like they've made it so much faster particularly in that back section but mm. with these cars having so little downforce um like it's not going to be an easy race for them. They're going to go from really high speeds to these really big braking zones they're going to have you know no real downforce during those fast flowing sections. It's going to be gnarly. Um I really can't wait to see it it should be it should be a spectacle
1: um but yeah like i said to start off the pod i think all this weekend did for me it was it, it 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 more than piqued my interest it got me genuinely excited for this new gen 3 car mm. i think you you saw the like you saw a lot of foundations that can be built onto something very strong i saw a poll today which was quite interesting but also i think very telling it said do you think um Gave you three options. Do you think Gen Three was a, was a success? Week one, one was yes, no, or too early to tell, and it was like forty nine percent too early to tell, um, which I thought was probably about right. But I do think that looking at what it is unbiasedly, there is more than enough magic there that, with a few shakeups and and just you know getting your the balancing properly. I think this can be something special.
0: I I, I say this: supercars last year was not a broken machine. It was super exciting. We loved it. I wouldn't think it's too much of a stretch to say that already, this spectacle looks better than what we had last year. Objectively,
1: just when you have a Mustang, when you have a Mustang that looks like a real Mustang, I mean. Yeah, but even just i think
0: i think there was a lot more diversity on the grid i mean just how close the the, the qualifying was you, you know you could have had you you had a you had tickets at the front of the grid you had tickets at the back you had walk and draws at the front you had a walk and draw at the back you had BGRs at the back when do you see that you had um uh, what's his name
1: pretty racing at the front,
0: front you know new like there was just you know Blanchard had a yeah, good qualifying on, on, on. Yeah. i mean it the um Erebus. Erebus looked amazing. In, on the Saturday, on the Sunday, they kind of were a little bit out of the window and, you know, they struggled all weekend. So I think the um, this, the championship this year becomes a lot more about uh, kind of, like we always say, minimising the trots. Um, and, and I think we're going to see a lot more, particularly this year, because every track's a new track with a new car. Um, you know, we're going to see, you know, people hopefully – you know, shaking up the, the 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 grid. With all of that being said, Formula One next week, Saudi Arabia. Saudi. Um, I'm going to not be negative, um, but we have to wait and okay. see what the race Thank brings. You. Yeah, I think we just got to wait and see what the race brings, guys. Um, but next weekend, we'll be coming. Next for the win. Fernando. Yeah. Mate, I hope so. I need to get my um my prediction right. Um but next Monday in the we'll meantime, come to you with the, um, with a bit of a in, bit in, of a review from Saudi.
1: In the meantime, who are you putting your money on for the um for the first golf tournament between me and Harry? I mean, I think Harry probably Harry, Harry probably has a good big game, but does he talk up as big a game as I do? I think the fact that you've never wielded a golf club in anger before
0: would kind of let not, not, not even in anger i wouldn't even give you a punter's chance let's be honest um the fact that you've brought it up punter's on his chance the fact that you've brought it up on you know on the airwaves kind of shows your ignorance um but i do wish you the best i was best. just, I, I, was do just hope I was just being joe i know i do hope I was you just being funny you jackass i do hope you go out there and love it the fact that you're enjoying it so much um, he's Without me playing, FOMO it. <laughs> actually it's genuinely giving me FOMO um, but yeah I hope you love it mate because it might be more for exciting really. than Saudi Arabia
2: oh, come on mate don't be like that
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll leave it there boys we'll come back to you guys Crazy. next week with another a review of uh, race 2 of the 2023 Formula 1 World Championship um, as always thank you so much for listening Please continue to um, share, like, react positively on all of our socials. Um, You know, I think that's enough. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great night. Thanks, baby. Thanks, mate. So good that Supercars is back. It's it's everything that we hoped for the last three years and more, I think. Um, And I think we'll leave it there. Thanks, boys. Cheers.